This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. All right. This episode of Bucket Talk, we have a chef, Chef Matt Grork, Grork Boys Barbecue. Matt, welcome. Thanks, brother. Happy to be here. Um, I'm absolutely in awe. This is this is going to be a fun one. Um, not only do you have a very unique story, an awesome background, um, but you're you're doing some pretty cool things right now. Um, but before we jump into that, I'd love to get you know where you who you are, where you came from. And, and how Grork Boys Barbecue came to be and your passion for cooking. So kick it off, brother. Yeah, man. Um, got it. it. It never gets old talking about it. You know, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty cool story. And, you know, it helps me to kind of keep myself grounded and remind myself of how it all happened, because it's crazy. Every time I tell it, I'm like, you know, it's pretty wild that I'm here telling the story, you know, but uh yeah, grew, grew up in South Jersey, where uh, I'm right outside of Philadelphia. Um, so I won't waste any time, you know, uh, teasing you too much. But yes, I'm an Eagles fan and um, have been my whole life. And it's, you know, the cool thing about it is it's really where the cooking and grilling and barbecue stuff really took off was yep. in the parking lot of Eagles games, you know. So uh, that's kind of where it really took its stride. But I've always been in in the food industry. You know, my first job, you and I were talking a few minutes ago and, and you said, you know, you wash dishes in a restaurant before. <laughs> Funny, I giggled a little, little bit because that was my first job, 15, going on 16. Uh, you know, where you pop- cut your teeth, man. It's, a, it's, a, it's not an like easy your- job. No, it's not. He was like, but you'll have soft hands. So it helps with the lady, <laughs> all that hot water. Right. Yeah. So, um, my dad was like, hey, you're getting a job. Um, my sister happened to be a waitress at that, at that country club. Um, and she got me a job in there washing dishes. So I did that for a little while. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I loved it. It, it, it started kind of my path in food. You know, I, I did that for a few months washing dishes. And then before I knew it, it was a uh, it was a banquet hall. Right. So there were a lot of, you know, different senior citizen type events on weekday afternoons yep. or weekdays after school. I would go there and there'd be some event um, going on or, you know, the all state, all South Jersey, all conference banquets for kids. Um, you know, throughout South Jersey would be there for their luncheons or, or dinners or whatever award dinners. So, um, there, they were very busy, you know, so I went pretty quick from washing dishes to kind of help and prep. He yep. pulled me off, pull me from behind the dishwasher and be like, here, cut these, <laughs> cut these carrots, do whatever, no guidance whatsoever. Just here, do it. And I started doing that and I enjoyed it. Um, and then before I knew it, I was on the line kind of helping the chefs set up plates and make salads and stuff like that. So did that for my first couple years. And, uh, 
eventually that turned into, you know, when I got out of college or was in college, even, uh, you know, my, my job was, I was waiting tables is honestly the best money you could make as a kid. Um, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, you're not going to find many jobs that you can walk out with just cash in your pocket. Um, you know, a hundred, 150 bucks a night. Granted, they usually got spent right after the shift was <laughs> over, but at least once I turned 21, but, um, man, I waited tables, Jeremy, up until I was 30, 32. Wow. You know, I started teaching when I was 25 and I always had that side hustle. I always had a side job because as a teacher, you need it. <laughs> like yeah. teaching salaries, even, even once I was married, it's hard to, to make ends meet with, you know, two teaching salaries. So uh, I, I just want to cut you off real quick because yeah. something that did resonate with me was um, how quickly you can transition from a dishwasher to a prep cook to, you know, a line cook then to a sous chef. Uh, and I saw it happen, especially with me. I mean, I was, I don't know, I was barely old enough to work, even if I was old enough to work at the time, it was a family restaurant. And, you know, as you're prepping for, for the rush, you, you kind of had a lull as a dishwasher. So that, you know, you're out there with the mandolin doing uh yeah. potato fries and stuff like that. And it was like, you know, if you, if you got proficient at it, you could start like getting right into into culinary with zero with zero background no culinary school no nothing um and and that's kind of what i like to to bring up key in on some of these points when people are like how do i get in how do i become a chef or how do i do this and and really it's just get in bottom level prove yourself and then i mean it'll work out from there but continue It, it really is and you know what's what's wild is going back to that dishwashing job and that chef I worked with at that country club, I, I started to, to gain some interest in wanting to go to culinary school. I mean, I was 16, 17, you know, 18 when I was working there, uh, thinking about what to do for college. And I, I thought about culinary school after high school and I actually spoke to the chef about it and he discouraged me. Like as crazy as that sounds, you know, discouraging people to go into the 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 profession that you're in, you know. I uh, I don't disagree with them. I mean, well, I'll tell you what, I relate to it even from a, a culinary standpoint. I guess professions change over time, right? Yeah. And I'm one. I'm in one now as a teacher that's probably changed more than only a few other professions over the course of the last ten years, right? don't know that I can really be in a place to encourage college kids or young high school kids to go to be a teacher. Wow. Uh, It's like, I'm sure there's a lot of police officers that might not be encouraging kids to go be a police officer, you know? Yep. I feel like my profession, as well as being a police officer, a first responder, so having in my family, it's almost something that you really don't ask for advice for very often. You <laughs> you're kind of meant to do it. You know, yeah. if, if you grow up wanting to be a cop, you're going to be a cop. Yeah. You know? um, and I feel that way about teaching, too. So um, but yeah, he had told me he actually said the chef said, look, if you want to grow up and you want to get married and have a family and have kids and spend that time with them. And, you know, you might want to rethink the, the whole chef thing, because. If you grow up to be a chef, if you have your own place or you're working for someone, 
you're going to be cooking on holidays for other families, not spending those holidays with your family. Fair and point. that, and as a pretty young kid, 17, 18, that kind of resonated with me. And I was like, all right, guess I'm not going to be a chef. <laughs> like, cause I, I kind of knew I wanted a family, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that all went. And it just turned into waiting tables. And I was never on the other side of the line. I was always waiting tables, uh, but I was still always around food. And yep. that's where it started, you know, that passion, that love for food. Even if your passion is just eating good food, it could transition into so much more, especially nowadays. And um, but but that's all it was, just waiting tables for a lot of years. And then um, fast forward till, you know, 2003, roughly, um, we got season tickets for for the Eagles, my dad and my brothers and I. And, uh, man, we were up every Sunday. I, w- I was up at least every Sunday at like 5 a.m., packing the cooler, getting all the food set up. My brother handled the beer. My dad handled some snacks. Yep. But I kind of took the role of, all right, I got, the, I got the menu. I'll get the food. I'll do the grilling. I'll do the cooking. And really just took over from there. And I'd say that's where the start of the grilling kind of barbecue journey started was way back, you know, 2003, um, tailgating at Eagles games. And I still do, um, you know, and then that transitioned into kind of picking up more barbecue smoking meat at my house. My father-in-law, uh, one day back in, we're probably going back to 2016, roughly. Um, he brought home a, uh, a little small electric smoker and he had never used it. He had it for like six months. It was still in the box and he dropped it off at my house. Interesting. uh, And was like, you know, I think we had like dog sat for them or something for a weekend. And as a, as, as a payment, he dropped his smoker off in my kitchen (laughs) and he knew I tailgate and like, I had a lot of, I enjoyed that, but I had never really smoked meat. So he dropped that off. And I'm telling you, Jeremy, the first, the, the next morning, I think I went out to like Sam's club that night and bought every single protein I could think of. And I was on YouTube. Oh, I was yeah. looking at videos. I was, you, you know, it. everybody listening to this knows it. you're all, you want to figure something out. You go on YouTube yeah. and you, start. and that's what I did. And I had chicken and pork and, and turkey and i i think i bought a fish i'm like oh you smoke fish and i'm like the next morning i was up i freaking popped out of bed and i'm not a morning person i popped out of bed and i just had this energy to like go fire up that smoker and figure it out and i threw all this food on um and i i think i probably ruined the majority of it but there was something that got me about sitting out there at six in the morning, making a fire, trying to control it, dipping on my coffee um, that just hooked me like big time. Dude, you are you are a man after like everything that I wanted to do. I loved grilling, but grilling was too short. It was too yeah. short of a time. I did yeah. not have that that intimate like you could barely finish a beer by the time you were done grilling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I had found same thing a, a kamado smoker on the side of the yep. on the side of the road somebody used it as a charcoal all i did was buy the um the plate for the bottom yeah the fuser plate and yep. same thing my first brisket was garbage <laughs> absolute oh. garbage it's fun man but it's fun to look back on that yeah 
You know, that's, I mean, God, Jeremy, there were times that I think, so, so to keep going, that's how it started. And from day on, I was just, I was messing shit up. I was making some good stuff. I would mess something up and make something really good. And it was like a golf shot, right? It's like, it's like an 18 hole. It's like playing 18 holes of golf. Like I'm not a golfer. My dad and my brother are, but I'll go with them because I'll, I'll, I'd love to drink and I'll drive the cooler and hang out. Beautiful weather. I'll hit one or two good balls and it'll bring me back the next time. Yep. And that's what barbecue was like for me. I'll, I'll do a cook and I'll, I would, even if it wasn't great, say I make a brisket, even if it wasn't great, there would be certain things about it that I knew were uh, moving me in the right direction yep. to get it the right way. And that's what would bring me back the next time. I never completely, well, can't say never. I have completely demolished briskets before, but there, there was always some improvement throughout the process of learning how to cook a good brisket or a good pork butt or some good chicken or whatever it is. And that's how it was. It was like that process. And then before you know it, my neighbors are hearing, oh, you've been doing a lot of barbecue. You've been smoking stuff. You've been, hey, well, I got a kid's birthday. My, my kid's birthday party's coming up. You know, you think you can make me some pulled pork. And before you know it, I'm cooking for my neighbors and making pulled pork and stuff for their birthday parties. And then they're handing me money. And I'm like, oh, wait, you know, okay. Uh, I guess just give me 50 bucks because that that's what it cost me to make everything. Right. I wasn't trying to make money off my neighbors or anything, but then it kind of just kept steamrolling from there, man. It was like a snowball effect, you know, it just kept going and I kept cooking and being a teacher, I have kind of a community around me where word spreads pretty quick. And, uh, you know, with, with what social media can do, um, that's kind of what, what blew it all up for me was, uh, was social media. And even before, long before, you know, the millions of followers came along, but, um, through school, um, my, my wife was a teacher at the time as well. And we're going back to like 2017. Right. So I'd had this smoker for about a year. Um, you know, was playing with it for a solid three, four months. My wife, who's vegetarian, um, was, was, and always is my biggest supporter. And I think she really, for her to notice that I was really starting to enjoy this, yeah. Um, she she knew that I think before I even did that it could be something. And she, for my 40th birthday, I'm five, I'm 45 now, so this was five years ago. For my 40th birthday, she sent me to a barbecue class for the weekend in uh, Unadilla, Georgia, which is the hometown of Myron Mixon. Okay. Who is the king of barbecue, the most winningest man in barbecue. So I spent a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at his complex with like 50 other like-minded people just smoking meat and learning and taking it all in. And even more so gaining this like friggin' just love of doing it and, and, and figuring out in your head how you can make this a career you know, or even just a side hustle. That's what it was for me. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of what it still is, but teaching is like my side hustle now. <laughs> let, let me stop you there with the teaching. So just to clear yeah. the record, you're a health and phys ed teacher, correct? Yep. Health so you, and phys- you're not a, 
not a uh, not a culinary teacher, no. not none of that. Um, no. Does your does the school that you teach at do they still offer culinary program? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they have culinary. They have uh, culinary basic, like basic culinary. Then they have like an advanced culinary class for kids that may want to, you know, follow through. How many times uh, have you substitute taught in that that class? No, I've done a couple things with them. They, <laughs> they've reached out a couple times for me to do like little demo type things with stuff they do. So last year, um, I did like a turkey demo. Yep. They Thanksgiving meal and i came in and kind of did a demo sorry about the dogs no you're good you're good did a demo on the turkey yeah and how to prep the turkey and i rub mine down in mayo and you know give them just little tips and tricks with that so it's been cool and and it's it's cool because school is really where the explosion of everything started um my wife and i um at the time 2000 16 my son is um my boys are seven and eight years old right now um back in 2017 we were uh still trying for a third uh we have two boys now we did want three um just wasn't in the cards but at the time we were doing um we had gotten to like the end of the road and had to uh do in vitro yep uh, we're given the option to do in vitro, not because we couldn't get pregnant, but because we were having trouble holding the pregnancies. Um, so we had lost three pregnancies prior to uh, my oldest, Adric. Yeah. And then we had Nash also uh, right right after Adric. Um, Adric was born with a cleft lip and palate. Yeah. So that was, you know, nerve wracking and stressful in and of itself you know, regardless of the fact that we had lost three prior. So it's like, all right, what's wrong? Is anything going to happen? Are we going to lose them? You know, this and that, but we, you know, blessed to have both of them and they're both great now and healthy and everything's awesome. And then we lost, um, we lost another right after Nash. And then that's when we went into the in vitro. Um, we did two rounds of in vitro. The second round, uh, was successful and, Kristen was pregnant and we were rocking and rolling. We got through the first trimester. Um, and then at about 16, 17 weeks, we went to the ultrasound, no heartbeat. Um, so we lost that. It was our fifth loss out of seven pregnancies. So um, being in school, being a health teacher, we talk about pregnancy and abstinence and, and childbirth and all that stuff. So um you know, for me, I, I had lost, I missed, uh, I missed about a week of school. Kristen was out, you know, obviously, but when I went back to school, um, my kids all knew that we were pregnant, knew that Kristen was pregnant, knew that we were expecting a third child. Um, it was a boy. It was a third boy. We don't make girls in my family, apparently. <laughs> um, but my boys, Adric and Nash had both gone to preschool, uh, actually daycare at my high school. Yep. Uh, they have a daycare program. So all my students have met my kids. Like, so they all knew that we were expecting a third. They're like, Oh, what's his name going to be? Is he yeah. going to come here? We're going to get to meet him, this and that. So it was all kind of rocking and rolling. Right. And they knew when I came back to school and I was gone for a week, they knew it wasn't good. Yeah. So, you know, how do I address that with a bunch of, you know, 16 year old kids? 
And the best way I could think was just to sit down and make it a teachable moment, right? Like, that's what I do. I'm a teacher. Let's talk to them and, you know, pull something out of this. And I told him what happened. I told him what the process was and why we think we lost the pregnancy and, um, you know, how there's really nothing I can control about it other than what I do now and to pick your head up and, you know, having them there for me is huge. Having my job is a huge part of the ability to, you know, grieve and the kids, high school kids make you laugh every day. So, you know, to some form or another. So that's always a positive. And uh, a couple days went by and my one class came in with a card and uh, they gave me the card and I opened it. And little did I know that one of them was recording my reaction opening the card and it, <laughs> at the time i wasn't like i didn't have tiktok wasn't yeah. even a, um tiktok didn't even exist uh snapchat all that stuff was just kids um i was all i was doing was posting food on instagram just yeah. pictures because it wasn't even video at that point so um i i opened the card and they all signed it and they said you know, thanks for teaching us to keep your head up and get up after you get knocked down and all that kind of stuff. Right. And they had Sixers tickets in there and they said, they know I'm a Philly fan. And they said, go to, go to the game. We hope you enjoy it. Take your wife. Hopefully you can take your mind off things and you know, we love you, blah, blah, blah. And my first thought was, yeah, obviously I was like crying and I'm like, you fucking kids, man. <laughs> Um, the one girl asked me if she could post the video on Twitter and she did, and it kind of went viral, uh, got, you know, tens of thousands of interactions and comments. And, um, so at the time is all I could think to do as a teacher was to reward my kids somehow, like reward them for that little act of kindness. Right. And, um, so I posted the story on Facebook real quick, just said what my students had done. Um, I posted on Twitter and it kind of blew up on there too. And then I, uh, reached out to a contact that I had with the Sixers and I told them the story and I said, I wanted to turn it into a field trip and I wanted to see if I could bring my whole class with me to the game. Uh, so my wife could meet my kids and my students could meet you know, my wife and just all that. So we did. And the Sixers hooked us up with like 30 tickets, a suite. Um, all the major news stations picked up the story wow. of what my students did. Uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. And then next thing I know, I'm on Instagram and I get a message from somebody telling me it was on in L.A. Like, yo, bro, I think I just saw you on on like Fox news in Los Angeles. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, your students, your high school kids did something for you. And I'm like, okay, now it's going national. So then I have a meat company reach out to me called premier meats in, in L in California. And, uh, he told me he wanted, you know, to help me out, help do something for the kids to say, thank you for what they did for me. And, uh, he was like, you want to do a barbecue for them? Like, well, I can't do a barbecue for 25 kids. Like my school would kill me. The rest of the kids in the school would kill me. Um, so we turned it into a big school-wide fundraiser at our home opening football game in September of 2018. Um, and we sold pulled pork sandwiches 
with chips and a bottle of water for 10 bucks. Everything went to charity because 100% was all covered by donations and other small businesses and companies helping out to chip in. Premier Meats gave me all the money to buy all the meat. Um, I blew it up on social media and we raised like four grand uh, over the course of the game. And in order to do that fundraiser, I wanted to be a business. I wanted it to be legit, like food safety, food handling. And at the time I was thinking about doing this part-time thing of like selling some barbecue. Right. So Rourke Boys Barbecue was the name we came up with. I went and turned it into an LLC. You know, I did all the paperwork and um, went and got my food handler's license and and all that. And that was the start. Our first event, Rourke Boys' first event was because of those kids I taught. And we made it a fundraiser and raised some money for uh, Clef Lip and Clef Palette for MS because my mother, my stepmom has MS and for... Uh, for my superintendent, his, uh, he lost at the time, he, he lost his daughter to epilepsy, um, complications. And, uh, we donated money to that as well. So I'm that was, that I'm... was Boy's first event ever. And it was a fundraiser and it's been the lifeline of my brand and business since I started in 2018. So that's amazing. And, and I'm glad you brought up that first part. I mean, that, that absolutely resonated with me, myself and my wife were trying to get pregnant early on. And uh, we had a failed pregnancy as well. And <clears throat> it was devastating, absolutely devastating, because it was our, you know, everything was on track, everything like not to derail this podcast and take it in a different direction. Yeah. But I feel like uh, this is the, definitely the time to explain how common it is. And I didn't realize how common it was until after I went through it. And you know, people were absolutely sympathetic and, and whatever, but then people started coming out of the woodwork. Oh, I had two, I had three, I had, and I'm like, you know, so, and it's, and it's hard as a family to get back into the mental state, to be able to have children again, or to start trying again. Um, and it took us over a year, um, for a pregnancy to take after that, because I mean, we're just yeah. so devastated. And yeah. what was, what was interesting was, is having those stories, <clears throat> being able to, to, to relate and being able to, um, talk with other people about it. But prior to that, all those prenatal classes, all the, you know, whatever, everything was like happy, you know, like when we have the child, when we do this and it's like, well, there's this other side that nobody yeah. talks about, but a nope. lot of people have gone through it. So it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I mean, <clears throat> again, it was, it was awful, but that's awesome that you're in a position, you know, health and phys ed to be able to explain it. And I guess if it does happen to others, there's a little bit of consolation that, you know, there's not really something wrong with you per se in that, you know, it's not own. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's, you know, for, for you even sharing that, you know, thank you. And I think it's, you know, we, we, we do spend a lot of time and energy taking care of our wives when this happens, you know, like I didn't even think about me. I had no thoughts of myself at all because everything she went through was just, I mean, I don't know. It's like hands down the strongest person I've ever met in my life and, you know, to go through everything she has, but people don't talk about it. And I think, um, 
you know, I do. It's just my personality, the way it helps me to talk about stuff. It just does. I know not everyone is that way, but once you do, even if you give someone a little, you just give them a, an olive branch. It's like, it all comes pouring out. Like, 100%. oh my God, there's more people that do it. It's like, it's like, I'm going to go buy a Jeep Wrangler. And cause I never see any Jeep Wranglers on the road and then you go buy it. And now everyone has a Jeep Wrangler. Correct. You, you're noted. You're recognizing them now. Yeah. And you just didn't before. And that's what it's like. Once you go through it and you start talking about it, you realize how many people actually go through it. And, uh, it's a huge part of our story, Yeah, you know, and, uh, it had a lot to do with where we are now, you know, as a family and everything we've gone through and to be able to persevere through it and help people through it. We, you're part of a grief group that we go to still, um, years later, you know, every year we go to an event and meet other families. And it's like, it's, it's a, it's a very tight knit group that you never wanted to be part of you know it's like every time we go every year when we go we see new faces and we're like devastated yeah like i don't want to see you there (laughs) but you're you're welcoming them with open arms and you're hopefully a shoulder to cry on at some point and they can relate to you so but yeah back to the barbecue there we go go. (laughs) no i i've never been able to really talk about it on on a a larger platform i've always done yeah. it with my tight-knit community and it just yeah. felt right and i think that that's stop. hell yeah i mean wherever this podcast takes us i guess right <laughs> look but that's all that's what i'll always do like food and barbecue gives me an ability to connect with people in a way that most that you just don't food and to be able to have a business where I know I can give back and I can make a difference and I can help out families and, you know, stuff like that. Anytime something local happens or if a family needs something, you know, what's the best thing you can do? Give them dinner, you know, so they don't have to worry about food. Like to be able to just go in my backyard and cook some stuff up and deliver it to a house and say, here, you're good for a few days. Yeah, you know? that's the like, first that's- thing that shows up. That's it, man. So, but yeah, that was the start of it. You know, being able to kind of give back and, and create this fundraiser was, was the start of it. And, uh, that's what started Rourke Boys Barbecue. And that story kind of went viral. And then here comes 2018 and TikTok comes around and, you know, I start posting silly videos. You know, I was, I was on Instagram for a while posting on there and stuff and still i was part of that barbecue community on on instagram which is insanely supportive and awesome and huge um and one of my friends on there had reached out to me about this opportunity on this new app um at the time it was called musically and then it was bought by musically and called or was bought by bite dance which is you know the, the company that owns tiktok and but they called it something else. There was another name before it was TikTok, but um, same concept, right? Short, short video platform. Right. And they were going to pay me uh, $600 a month to post 30 videos a month. So one video a day for 600 bucks a month. To me, I was like, they're going to give me $600 a month just to. <laughs> post a video <laughs> <Done deal. laughs> 
I'm like, that's awesome. Let's do it. Like, I'm making mac and cheese for the kids, and I turn it into a video. Yeah. I'm like, I, you know, craft mac and cheese for the for the kids. <laughs> like, okay, there's my video for the day. And I got to be part of that program along with a few other people that I know on social. And that's how it started. I was just kind of posting on there. And if you scroll all the way down my TikTok for a while, it'll go all the way back to December of 2018. And you'll see those very first videos that I got paid for, you know, way back when the app was just starting to grow. Yeah. And uh, I caught a lot of shit from from other people in the community thinking that at the time when it finally did switch over to TikTok is the name. It was known as a little teeny bopper app, you know, where kids are dancing and all that stuff. So here I am, you know, 40 year old teacher on this little TikTok app and people are like, what are you, a friggin' creep? Like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you posting videos on there? I'm like, it's food. I'm just posting food videos. And I took all that criticism and I ignored it and I kept doing it along with a few other people that kept grinding through it. Some dropped off, you know, and, and kind of listened to all the outside noise and uh, stopped doing it, you know, regrettably, probably now. Probably. Um, you know, but here I am three, three and a half million followers later on TikTok, uh, just, just grinding out videos and it's helping my business tremendously, uh, brand deals, you know, working with some of the largest companies in the food business. And I mean, Weber grills, Kingsford charcoal, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, starting to do some of my own stuff, have my own seasoning company working on, you know, a couple other little projects that, you know, hopefully be able to reveal, you know, a little bit down the road, but yeah, it's just been a wild ride. So for, for me, one of the, one of the natural uh, gravitation towards, towards you and and your content is um, a, the, the family uh, behind it, but B, um, myself and my kids so my kids are six and eight my my eight-year-old daughter um has taken an absolute liking to uh camp cooking barbecuing stuff like that and it's given us an outlet to be able to work together we go to the grocery store we pick some stuff out we do all this stuff um so much so that we did a weekend last weekend uh actually two weekends ago it was awesome it was our first time Went to the Army Navy store, bought like little mess kits and everything, and uh, went up to the lake and cooked over the fire for like two days straight. And it was, uh, I mean, it was kielbasa and yeah, and, toss them. <laughs> and eggs and stuff like that. But like, you know, just just boiling the water and and um, you know making tea and then cleaning all the dishes like there versus like in a dishwasher. Yeah, has um, been has been un unreal, and I feel like it gives them another uh level up on like hey i can do things like things aren't so automated for me like i could actually i could cook i can make something i could then clean it up and then i could tend to fire it there was just so much to it and it's been it's been amazing but um yeah continue doing what you're doing it's 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 touching millions obviously (laughs) well they the camping thing was really just new over the last couple years, you know. So good. Yeah, we I, I don't even know my wife had said something. We have a couple friends that had had campers and um we just started looking into it. It was like such 
an impulse buy. You know, it, it was, oh God, it was crazy. But she started talking about it and we started kind of looking it up and you start to realize that while a camper or RV might be one of the worst investments you could ever make, um, because you're never getting, you know, your money's worth for it, uh, in terms of monetarily. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like, don't care about that because the, the value in memories and experience and all that that you grow with your family is just like immeasurable. Like you cannot put any price on that. So I'll take the few hundred bucks a month it costs for the payment and I'll accept the fact that I'm never going to be able to sell it without <laughs> losing some money, you know, when we do. Um, but it's so worth it. And it's opened up, like you said, a whole nother line of connection with your kids, um, with your wife, with your community. Like it's, you know, some of the brands that I work with, they love it. Yeah. You know, it's a whole different vibe in the video content and it opens things up for me to be able to create a little bit differently. Um, you know, so yeah, it's just, it's something that I'll keep doing. And, um, I have some, some collabs coming up hopefully this summer when I'm done school, uh, where I can get out over an open fire and, you know, do a little bit, a little bit more cooking, you know, in that way. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, one can say, um, I guess I'll just put myself in my kid's shoes. So, you know, growing up ADHD, growing up all this stuff, right. And, and I see myself and kids uh, in my kids. And obviously I'm not going to put a label on it at this point because I don't want to. Um, but what was interesting was, is watching my very energetic children become so focused on a task and do it to perfection and listen and understand. I mean, so much so that my daughter burnt her finger, right? <laughs> Just like got so excited, grabbed the skillet instead of grabbing yeah. the pot holder to grab the skillet. <laughs> she burnt her finger. And obviously all, for everybody out there, all the first aid tips were, were done. She's fine. She's recovering. Um, it was a little blister, but it was a teachable <laughs> moment. And, and it's, it's amazing because like, I turned to her and I said, do I need to say anything? And she goes, I won't do that again. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and it was, you know, obviously it's safe and, and, and a great environment to work in, but she's eight years old and she's using knives. She's using, you know, we're splitting wood with axes. We're doing like doing all the stuff, obviously in a controlled environment, but giving her real world adult tasks to, and now they're super focused and super, and man, it was like the best couple of nights of sleep that they've ever had. They went to bed on time. You know what I mean? It's like, I was like, there's something to this, you know, go live out they, in the bush. Yep. <laughs> so, but fast forward, man. I, I mean, you got some big stuff going on. Um, obviously it took off from like a little side hustle to something more extravagant. And I'd love for you to dive deep into that. Yeah. So, um, you know, teaching once I started the business, you know, it was things were growing, you know, in terms of social media and stuff pretty steadily, yeah. nothing, nothing crazy. But I mean, I, I can remember in school, the first time a kid came up to me and saw me on TikTok, saw one of my videos and was like, oh, Grork, you have you have 75,000 <laughs> followers on TikTok. Like you're famous, you're like 75,000. 
I'm like, oh, yeah, it's crazy. Like people like barbecue, you know, that was always my answer. And, uh, you know, so kids started talking pretty early on that I was even on TikTok, you know, at that time. But um, I still, it was teaching. I was coaching basketball. Um, I coached basketball for like 18 years, um, high school. I was uh, a driver's ed teacher. So I would teach kids how to drive, um, you know, driving you know, six hours for kids to get so their life. the reason why Philly drivers suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jersey, actually. So, Jersey. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you know, I was, yeah, I was doing six hours behind the wheel lessons with kids. Yeah. My life. So <laughs> teaching basketball, uh, driver's ed. I was hustling barbecue a little bit here and there. You know, I was posting on social media every day, video, video, photo content, like doing all that stuff. And then it started to really explode. And uh, that's when COVID hit, you know, when when COVID hit 2019, 2020, um, and we were home, you know, so much. That's when I really it was every day posting and it wasn't just quick videos. It was like teaching stuff. It was like tutorials. It was like, this is how you do it. And I think that's what really made the big jump, you know, and not only that, but I was doing it at my house. Nobody special. I'm a dad teacher. I'm in my backyard. My dogs are barking. My kids are crying. And I'm trying to make a steak and film it, you know? (laughs) So like you said, I think part of that connection and part of, part of my following really came from the fact that, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to pretty up my videos. I wasn't, you know, you, you go on, you on, on TikTok and every platform now, and you see these, these creators, these food creators that just have this these beautiful videos highly edited highly produced beautifully filmed from every angle possible right like different shots asmr obviously have thousand dollar microphones you know yeah but i got in long before all that you know that didn't exist that type of content when i was growing and i'm fortunate for that because that is not me like that content is not me. I don't live in that world um, of these creators like, you know, Nick DiGiovanni and some of these other big food food uh, creators. But mine was very real. I was in my house and here's my wife. She's vegetarian. She's yep. not going to eat any of this. And people <laughs> thought that was funny. That I'm the meat guy and I married a vegetarian. Um, so then I kind of caught on to that, that people thought that was funny. Um, so I started using it in my content and like kind of making fun of her whenever I could or pretending to feed her meat, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to sneak some meat in her food. (laughs) And I did a whole series of videos like where I pretend to trick her into eating meat, you know? Um, and that blew up and people still think it's true. They think I would actually still be married if I did that. (laughs) It just shows you that most of the people watching my videos are probably like 14 years old and have no clue. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it really exploded. And that's, you know, once I got over a million on TikTok, 
everything else kind of grew along with it. Um, started getting reached out to by companies to make content and videos, you know, for ad campaigns and things like that. Ended up getting myself an agent because I never wanted to talk about money or deal with contracts and stuff, nor am I, you know, capable of doing all that without, you know, with making sure I'm protecting myself. So, you know, I have an agent, which is insane um, to even say. And then uh, that, that is that in itself is a little nuts. I mean, for media agent, you know, (laughs) and yeah. And, and I'm still teaching and things are doing great. The barbecue and the social media has now kind of taken over the full-time role. And as far as the money it brings in for our family and my teaching job is kind of like my sidekick, <laughs> but I need to, you know, I just can't, I can't commit the time that I need to, uh, to the barbecue and, the social media stuff because of my full-time teaching job. So at some point, something's going to give, I don't know when that's going to be, but um, I've been able to work on a lot of things in the meantime. So I have my own rub company, rub city with uh, two good buddies of mine that, that I partnered up with and uh, it's doing incredibly well. We're working on another big project that we're hoping to launch in July this summer. Um, it's going to be called embers. So I'll, uh, in on that uh but there's going to be more content based stuff on that uh where you know think of a master's class type of situation uh but for grilling and barbecue and you know smoking meat so we have some awesome people involved with that so hopefully that's coming this summer um you know i was i was on a show with gordon ramsay I mean, that was a pretty big deal. My, uh, I was just, we were just feeding the horses and my, uh, yeah. I said, dad, this is, this is who I'm having a podcast with tonight. He goes, no way. He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my parents, it's, it's, it's food shows and, um, America's got talent. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. They love it. And they're like, you got, this guy's unbelievable. I'm like, yep. Dad. So- so what's crazy is that that whole process, like I've been I've been reached out to by casting agents probably a dozen times. Yeah. Past like two years, maybe. And, you know, Netflix, a Netflix show. Netflix has a couple barbecue cooking shows. Um, I've been reached out to a couple times about that. I've been reached out to uh, other shows and. Every time they, my first question is always like, when is filming? Yeah. And filming is always during my school year. So I can't just not be in school for a month, you know, Um, feel like I'd get fired. So I never really gave it much consideration um, until last spring when I was reached out to by the casting agency for Gordon Ramsay's Next Level Chef. So... The first season I watched um, because a buddy of mine who also does barbecue and and content and he's pretty big. uh, His name's Gary, the barbecue chef. He um, he was on season one of Next Level Chef. So I watched for him. And then now last spring, here I am, you know, being casted by them. 
and uh, going through the whole interview process. So um, I, I questioned it. I was like, I knew they were filming in September. So I was like, I can't do it. Like I came home and I told Kristen and I'm like, I don't think I can do it. Like it's their film in September. That's the beginning of the school year. Like I can't just miss the first month of school. And, you know, Gordon Ramsay is what she said to me. She was like, she was like, this isn't Netflix. This isn't, you know, some chopped, you know, on Food Network where you're going to be on one episode. This is, this is Gordon Ramsay, like the celebrity of all food celebrities. Like, and he's so much nicer now. He's so much nicer than he was uh, before. (laughs) He's, it's such a different vibe on Next Level Chef too, because it's a mentor (laughs) type of show. So, I mean, he, he tells you if it sucks, like, I think he, they didn't put it in, but the, the episode that I got eliminated, I can talk about it now because it's over and I got eliminated, but the episode that I got eliminated when I made, um, the fish, I made the fish and mashed potatoes and some broccoli. Um, he told me, he told me in the judging, he said that it looked like it was plated by a 12 year old. <laughs> and, and they didn't put it in the show. Really? I'm like, why didn't they let him? Why did they edit that out? It was such a genius. Because my whole, the whole season, every episode I was in, my the even if my food was good, which the majority of the time it was, except for Chinese and the episode I was eliminated, uh, my issue was plating. And I always told the judges, I said, look, I cook barbecue. I don't plate like French food. Yeah. I hand my, I hand my friends like cutting boards with me. <laughs> yeah. Like my wife laughs at me. Cause she's like, if you come over here to eat, you're not getting utensils. Like you're grabbing ribs off a cutting board. Yeah, you're I eating wa- steak with your fingers. I watched like, the one with you, with you with the port wine and then realized you didn't grab a starch. And then uh, you had the plantains, but no potatoes. Uh, <laughs> I, Dude, I was all, it's and then, so stressful because it's like i don't know bro, go go ahead i'm telling you 30 seconds is 30 seconds <laughs> 45 minutes 45 minutes like everybody's like ah oh, they probably give you more time nope <laughs> no it is as stressful as it looks and chaotic but Kristen looked at me and she said you have to do this yeah and i'm like but i'm not a chef like i just cook meat like I, I, I just cook meat and she goes and here's like the genius of, of the wife. Right. She goes, she goes, yeah. And any food show you watch, what do people mess up the most? They mess up either the meat, it's either raw or it's overcooked and they mess up like seasoning, more salt, more this, more that she goes, your, your strength is those two things. You're very good at seasoning your food and you're very good at cooking your proteins to the right temperature. And I was like, Oh shit, you're kind of right. Like <laughs> I'm really good at those two things, but I I'm suck like, at plating, but I don't, but I don't know like French sauces and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like a port wine. What the frick do I do with a port wine? Like drink I drink it and then like, make your food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I actually leading up to, to, to heading out to film uh, a couple weeks before I left to film, I had a good buddy of mine come over and stay for the weekend. 
his name's Noah Sims, and he was on uh, Master Chef season okay. ten. So Noah's like six foot seven, wears overalls. You know, f- grew up in Georgia. He was on the season with Nick DiGiovanni, who's who is probably the largest food creator in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm friends with both of them, but Noah came over and spent the weekend, and he showed me all the mother sauces. He showed me some little tricks. We went over, you know, how to use a knife properly, which I knew. But, I mean, I hacked the shit out of most of my food, you know, because it's meat. So yeah. he like, showed me how to, you know, frisee some, you know, herbs and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. So it's uh, it was cool. But I'm telling you, Jeremy, I after episode, I did really well. Episode one, I won, I won best dish for my team. And, and. At, by the time we were at episode three, I was like, how am I still here? I'm playing with house money. <laughs> I'm like, best. It's amazing. So, you know, it was wild. But if anything, it was just one of those lessons like you got to believe in yourself a little bit every once in a while. And uh, sometimes you just got to take a chance. And if you're not taking chances and you're not risking things, then you're probably not growing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and my goal through all this is just to continue to grow. And that doesn't just mean numbers on social media, right? Like I want, I want to grow a brand. I want to grow a media company. I want to grow, you know, more relationships and, and, and stuff like this, you know, cause that's the stuff that really matters. We all know, cause we've heard it, that TikTok could be gone tomorrow. Yeah, Facebook could be gone tomorrow. Like they're all so you got to build something bigger than just a number, you know? Well, so. it seems, it seems like, and you know, as, as I've gone through the trades, as I've gone through college, as I've gone through everything, it's really, and actually to college, I mean, I learned a lot in college. I went later on in life in my thirties and, and that's when I really, I actually grasped a lot of the concepts and really took home a lot of the stuff more so than I would have ever in my teens. Um, but one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was network, right? So I had a group of people that I went through college with, um, 20, or 16 of them, 16 people that I went through college with that I could call up, hey, what do you think about this or whatever? And I feel like that's the same. I mean, any of the – I talked to some of the knife makers that were um, forged in fire. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it just – just go, the list goes on and on, but like, Hey, how do I temper steel? Hey, how do I make this sauce? Hey, you know, how can I put a spin on this? And, and really it's your network that you're building. Um, that's more so outside the social media platforms. Yes. Social platforms help you grow that network, but if they were to be gone, you know, your buddy coming over and helping you learn about sauces and, you know, others helping you learning about open fire or whatever the next technique may be, um, is, is really the key, key to success there. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, that's it. the relationships, the networking is hands down the biggest part. And, you know, someone having someone like Noah, Noah's taught me a few things, man, not just, you know, prepping me for next level chef so that I didn't make a fool of myself. But <laughs> the first time Noah reached out to me, um, you know, he, he came across my page and he liked what he saw. And he was pretty early coming off of next level chef. So he kind or not a master chef. So he kind of had that, that momentum from master chef. And I knew who he was cause I watched it. 
And all of a sudden I get a DM from Noah Sims and I'm like, oh shit, like that's a dude from Master Chef. What's he doing DMing me? And, you know, you open your DMs 99% of the time, someone writes something, right? Like, hey, Jeremy, what's up? Just love your stuff. Just wanted to connect, stay in touch, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Yeah. Noah sends video messages to people. (laughs) So if he likes you or he sees something in you or he likes your stuff or your content or he just wants to tell you that you're friggin' killing it and, and, you know, keep doing what you're doing, I'm proud of you. He doesn't do it through a text. That's super personal. He sends you a video. And now you're looking him in the face and he's saying, man, Jeremy, I just came across your page and dude, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. I'm here for you. If you need anything, um, let's connect. Can't wait to meet you. Like that. And then he would hang up. And I was like, I, I remember the first time when I got that first message, I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> like he sent me a video message saying he loved what I was doing. And like, my food looks great and he can't wait to cook with me one day. I'm like, holy shit. But like just that personal connection, you know, that I, that was such a huge lesson for me Yeah. Uh, that, that I got from Noah. And, you know, I try to do it as much as I can. Yeah. No, that's, I'll, that, that. I'll, I'll get DMS from people just randomly, right? Like asking, Hey, I got, I got a rack of ribs, you know, I'm doing it on a Weber kettle. What do you think I should do? You know, any advice, and, and most people's DMs start with, well, you'll probably never see this because they think that I probably never read my DM. <laughs> so especially if they write something like that, like I'll get kids, I'll get kids that'll write to me that are probably teenagers and 14, 15, 16, and they'll write me. And that's, they're famous for saying, you'll probably never see this, yeah. but you know, I've watched everything you do and you've inspired me to cook and grill and you know, I really enjoy it and it's helped my anxiety and it's helped this and that. Um, just wanted to say thank you. And normally they don't think you're ever going to see it because a 14 year old kid is looking at someone with a following like me as a celebrity. Yeah. Like you're a modern day celebrity, which is the weirdest thing. But, you know, at the very least, I hope that kids are watching me and, you know, being inspired in some way. So whenever I get a message like that from a kid, I'll send a video message back just because I, I, I like to imagine when they open it, their reaction, like, holy shit. Cause that was my reaction when, you know, Noah sent me, sent me his first video message. And it's funny. I, I don't want to downplay the accomplishment of having 3 million followers on TikTok. I think that's amazing. Um, <coughs> but, but speaking to your point, I think it's, the the i've interviewed uh we're on like season six now i've interviewed you know tens of hundreds of people at this point and every single one of them has been down to earth they haven't been this this uh, up on this pedestal um and i'm just a regular joe and, and it's and it's funny because you know they've after off off camera they're like hey anything you need i'll help you out like whatever you need done. Like if we need to reshoot it or whatever, everybody has been like, they're my neighbor. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just been unbelievable, reachable people. And um, maybe I'm just picking it right. Or maybe I'm seeing a trend here. 
is that that everybody's different, brother. For the most part, everybody's just normal, approachable people. And again, I say this uh, over and over again. I go to Makers Camp, um, which is like all the social media makers, and their followings vary, but like big ones, the little ones, to everything. And everybody's just there. And like titles aside, just normal people. <laughs> it's like yeah. some yeah. of the some of the most photogenic people and awesome on camera are some of the shyest people you'll ever talk to. You're like, how come I can't have a conversation with you? <laughs> like I expected to be able to have a conversation. With you. Anyway, long story short is is that like if anybody, and that's gonna lead me into my my last point here. Um, but if anybody wants to reach out to you or or talk to you, where can they find you? So, um, if you go to my website, com, there is, um, a submission form there where you can contact me and you can, I have people sending me, you know, catering jobs. If there's something, yeah. you know, I get some grad parties to do in the spring, summer, because I'm a teacher. So, <laughs> you know, any of those requests usually come through that website and, I have people just asking me general cooking questions on the website or brands reaching out through my website, stuff like that. So that's a really good spot to do it. Um, Instagram I'm, I'm on all the time and my DMS are not completely flooded. Um, you know, I, I answer almost everything that I get on Instagram. You do. Uh, you know, I answer. So, you know, it's Instagram has developed a pretty good process for weeding out the the yeah. um the trash, you know, that you get. So um any of those messages that come in my man, my box or, you know, stuff that I know is worth worth a read. So I'm good at I'm good at getting through my 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 DMs um on there. So but I'm on every platform. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm uh I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. I'm on, uh, what else? Am I missing any? Twitter? Facebook? I'm on Twitter. So I, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I just started on Twitter. I've, I've been on Twitter for years, yeah. but because of Next Level Chef, we live tweet during the show and yeah. stuff. And I still kind of am live tweeting during the show, even though I'm not on it because all my friends are on it yeah, now. Yeah. We all got so tight, man. It was such a good group of people and we're all so tight and we're all still friends, but, um, I'm posting some content on, on Twitter too. So, uh, stuff that you probably might not see on other platforms, you know, uh, same with Snapchat. So yeah, I mean, you could reach out, reach me anywhere. Um, you know, rubcity.com, there you, go. It, you know, is an insane spice company. Uh, I have a couple of my own branded uh, rubs that, that I curated with my partners, um, a beef rub and a pork rub. And then we have about seven others that are really awesome. So if anyone wants to support, that's always a good way to do it. And you can pop them in your own video content. Um, but yeah, I've, I've a lot of cool things coming up. And like I mentioned this, uh, embers, embers is going to be something really, really cool this summer. And, uh, I'm excited. And, and the biggest, the biggest thing for me with it and my partners is the communication, the connection um, that Embers is going to bring, you know, outside of just your normal social media stuff. Uh, there's going to be a, a way to really connect um, with some of your 
some of your favorite barbecue food grilling people um through what we're building so it's going to be really neat hell yeah well i thank you for being on the show we covered a gamut of topics and we could uh, probably go for another hour (laughs) but um obviously you guys can reach out to him anything culinary anything teaching and then you know any of the other topics that we hit but really it was just to bring light to to the fact that um culinary is another avenue for for any of you blue collar workers or anybody who wants to you know work with your hands it's definitely definitely a great avenue and very lucrative and you know you're seeing one of the top top performers in in the trade and uh it was it was awesome to have you on the on the show, Matt. I appreciate it, Jeremy. Listen, if anybody listens to this and they're in the South Jersey area and they want to sling some barbecue, I might need to I might need to man my barbecue rig because I just don't have time for it. So I might be hiring <laughs> people. Hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. You got it, brother. Take care. We'll talk soon. And as a special thanks to our loyal listeners, we're giving $10 off your next purchase of $60 or more at BruntWorkWear.com. Use discount code BUCKETTALK10. That's BUCKETTALK10.